Good morning. Welcome to Ms. Ron's house. Ronnie, glad you're here. Good to see you. You know, for those of you that didn't check the calendar, you might want to check it this morning. It is December. Christmas is in less than two weeks. It's not the 4th of July, Labor Day, or Memorial Day. Weather doesn't feel like Christmas weather, but it is. I've seen a Christmas tie. I've seen Christmas socks. We've got a Christmas sweater. Yeah, Christmas hat. An ugly Christmas shirt. Christmas. I'll, have, I'll have mine on next week. So everybody can wear their ugly sweater. Ugly sweater next week. Ugly Christmas sweater. Jimmy's going to wear his. Jimmy will have his. I got my Rocky Top Christmas sweater. I love it. I love it. I love it. So next week, uh, we'll wrap up our Christmas uh, four-week series, Bill Will, uh, and it's special guest week next week. And I think you've opened it up not only to uh, sons and daughters, wives, just not wives and girlfriends. <laughs> Guys, we do come to the end of the year, um, and Phil has filled with information out last week and again this week about uh, year-end contributions, and would ask that you would prayerfully consider the support of BPO as well as the support of the uh, fundraising effort at Deer Camp. It means an awful lot to those that have been there and for those that have not yet been there. We want to build a facility that uh, is welcoming to them, uh, comfortable enough for them to be there. They're not having to sleep in uh, hammocks and cots that are just uh, too cramped, but something that's a little bit more comfortable. It is a Deer Camp. We're not building a Hilton, but it is a Deer Camp. Uh, need your support in that area. Seriously, next week uh, is special guest week. We would love it if this room were filled up. And honestly, I'm saying this for the whole group to hear, we need to make accommodations uh, because John Norton is not here to do that for us in the way of coffee and orange juice and donuts and things that our wives think we do every Thursday morning, but we only do it when they show up. But uh, as a leadership group, we'll, we'll maybe get together after this and be sure we've made arrangements for that. Guys, let me open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to gather here. Lord, I thank you so much for my brother Phil. I thank you for the men of the leadership team. I thank you for the year that we've had. God, most of all, I thank you for your son, born of the Virgin Mary, walked this earth as a man, God on earth, fully man. You understand our struggles. You understand our fears, our weaknesses. You've been there. Mm. God, comfort us. Guide us. Walk with us. Mm. In your name we pray. Mm. Amen. Amen. Joe. Morning, gentlemen. Um, Morning. I do appreciate the, um, Joe's introduction and just drawing attention to the uh, BPO uh, year-end giving uh, information. So uh, I would love for you to be able to um, be a part of uh, our financial needs. Uh, so uh, please look at that and consider um, giving at your year-end and even making a pledge toward next year. And on the comment uh, page, any uh, stories that you have, comments that you would offer in terms of how God has used um, um, our ministry in your life would be greatly valued. Uh, very much. And um, I, I am ecstatic um, 
to report that in our Ebenezer Place capital fund uh, campaign that we're over $80,000. And um, really, really, really cool how generous you guys have been. I'm very, very encouraged. You know, we have big dreams and big plans and, uh, and yet uh, what God uh, provides uh, in terms of financial resources will dictate what we build and how we're able to improve. So right now we've got eighty thousand um, dollars to uh, to be stewards of, and um, very very excited. And thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for that. So this morning um, we uh, continue our series in um, in terms of pictures of the incarnation, and um, pictures of the incarnation, uh, peace on earth. We covered a couple weeks ago um goodwill uh to men uh, we covered last week and this week i want to work with the phrase that's very uh, common at this time of year joy to the world and i mean there's only one song that we can play for that right duh um but i but i do have a little bit of a twist on it uh, relative to uh chris tomlin and chris tomlin um, has taken joy to the world and he kind of put his twist on it uh, and he calls it joy to the world, um, unspeakable joy. And so that's what you have as words to the song uh, on your page. And ironically, Chris Tomlin is very much like Isaac Watts who wrote Joy to the World. And I say that because um, um, Isaac Watts um, uh, was in a church in England, and at that time, all they sung um, were uh, psalms. And he was a young guy, uh, loved the Lord, and it's typical of young guys. He thought that what the old guys were singing was boring. And so what his dad uh, encouraged him to do, look, if you think it's boring, then write something better. And that's exactly what Isaac Watts did. And so uh, he was criticized in his day for being a heretic because he got out of the traditional singing of the Psalms and he was one of the first hymn writers. I have a very close friend that's part of our men's community in um, Fairhope, uh, Wendell Kimbrough. And I call Wendell, um, the musician that is as talented as Chris Tomlin, but cheaper. <laughs> and he seems to enjoy that, you know. But Wendell is, is brilliant at taking psalms and then putting his twist on it, and he'll rewrite a psalm. Psalm 32 is one of my favorites that he's done, and he rewrote Psalm 32 that we often uh, read at deer camp because it's like it's like David just got out of deer camp and wrote that psalm because it tells the story of what we do and Wendell has retooled that psalm in, into a personal song so that's what Isaac Watts uh, did um, at his day uh, he, he was born in 1674 and died in 1748 and so uh, Joy to the World, you know, has become one of the most consistent sung hymns at Christmas. But you know what? It's not a Christmas hymn. It is talking about Jesus coming, joy to the world, because Jesus is coming. Jesus has come. 
but it's really about the second coming. So re read those words and you can see um, that it's more about Revelation 21 than it is about Luke 1 and 2 and all that. But certainly it is about Jesus coming and Jesus has come joy to the world. I want you to enjoy again Chris Tomlin singing this and I chose this video because the video is so powerful, it's so cool, and it'll bring joy to your heart because, uh, as the phrase uh, says, a little child will lead them. So my prayer is, is that as you listen to this, uh, and actually in this song, uh, Chris Tomlin does sing the traditional hymn rather than his unspeakable joy uh, rendition, but I pray you'll hear the voice of God and he'll prepare a heart for what he has sworn joy to the world.
Amen, amen, amen. You want to see what joy looks like? That's what joy looks like. Amen. Don't ever forget that. Um, beautiful, beautiful picture. Be on the alert. Stand firm in your faith. Act like men. Be strong. Words from 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Let's dig in. Follow with me as we read our introductory paragraph. The incarnation. God with us. The eternal, infinite God became a human being in Jesus Christ, a physical, limited, vulnerable, mortal being in history. The implications of this reality are vast and many. During this Christmas season, we will look at various pictures of this incredible reality of God with us, the incarnation. Joy to the world. Joy. Guys, as we spend this few minutes together this morning, what I uh, hope that you'll understand is that the primary internal experience of being a Jesus follower is intended to be joy. And it doesn't mean that we don't go through hard times and suffering and joy are not antithetical. They are actually compatible that we can experience joy in the midst of great suffering. And when we come to Jesus, the scripture is really clear that joy is intended to be an internal evidence of our surrender to the one who came. Joy unimaginable. Joy. I feel joy. And my circumstances haven't changed. Uh, I'm still a member of that crazy dysfunctional family, you know? But joy has filled my heart. Look over at Luke chapter 1 as we begin this morning. Just a couple of passages before we even dig into our questions that we start with. I love this passage in Luke chapter 1. At verse 39, uh, right after the, uh, the angel appears to Mary and tells her that she's going to conceive, and she tells the angel, well, you know, I've never been with a man. <laughs> How can I conceive? And basically the angel says, God will take care of it. Got you covered. And she is ecstatic. She's humbled. And uh, as, a, as uh, any woman would, she calls her girlfriend. She goes over to her girlfriend's house. Listen to this in verse 39. Mary didn't waste a minute. She got up and traveled to a town in Judah in the hill country straight to Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby in her womb leaped. Now, Mary was six months pregnant with John the Baptist. She was filled with the Holy Spirit and sang out exuberantly. You're so blessed among women and the babe in your womb also blessed. And why am I so blessed that the mother of my Lord visits me? The moment the sound of your greeting entered my ears, the babe in my womb skipped like a lamb for sheer joy. Blessed woman who believed what God said, believed every word would come true. The baby 
in the womb, six months old. Now, guys, this is not a session on abortion and all that crazy stuff, but think about it. Think about it. Six months responds uh, to the knowledge that the Messiah is coming. That is so cool. Makes goosebumps run up my back right now. Luke chapter 2. Verse 8, there were shepherds come, uh, camping in the neighborhood. They had set night watches over their sheep. Suddenly God's angels stood among them and God's glory blazed around them. They were terrified and the angel said, don't be afraid. I'm here to announce a great and joyful event. A great and joyful event that is meant for everybody worldwide. A Savior has been born in David's town, a Savior who is Messiah and Master. And this is what you're to look for, a baby wrapped in a blanket and lying in a manger. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. So pick up your pen. I have three questions for you. And what I want you to do is simply um, pair up. Um, and I want you to talk about these, those, these three questions. So let me just um, orient you to the three questions and get you a partner, and let's work together for a few minutes this morning. First question I want you to work with is, what is your most enjoyable memory of a past Christmas? Now think about it for a minute, you know, the old Rolodex goes through now. I've been criticized for using illustrations that nobody knows about anymore, you know, like CB, yeah, like CB radios and things like that. Like somebody said, who is Billy Graham, you know? I mean, goodness, so, so Rolodex, I know some of you don't know what a Rolodex is, but you know, as you go, go through the memories of Christmas, my guess is, is that when we start to um, remember Christmas in a joyful way. It typically has something to do, like was on the video, with children. Either you as a child, or your grandkids, or your kids, or memorable Christmas. Question number two, where have you found the most joy over the past year? Think about that. A joyful time. So joyful. Now here's a little hint um, as a therapist um, and counselor. The research shows that um, the only way that you can experience joy, true joy, is in connection with another person. Now, as we've often said, I mean, I could be happy eating a cheese pizza. <laughs> a cheese pizza will make me happy. But when we're really analyzing and measuring joy, you're with somebody. I mean, how much enjoyment is a sunset if you don't have somebody to poke in the chest and say, look at that, did you see that? It's the sharing that brings joy. So my guess is if you are remembering even a time this past year that was joyful, you were in Alaska with 28 other guys, something like that. You're with somebody else. Third and final question. How is joy part of your experience of following Jesus? 
Could you be convicted of being a Jesus follower if we were somehow taking out my joy meter and measuring your joy? The Bible says that is the uh, one of the primary measures uh, of whether or not we really are Jesus followers, that we have the internal experience of joy. So talk about that in your groups for a few minutes. Pair up, talk about any one of those three or all three of them.
All right. Let's uh, pull back together and work together. <coughs> I trust um, you've gotten a little bit of a better idea of um, what joy looks like uh, as it's been experienced by your new friend. Alerting you to this really is a joyful time of year. Joy, one of the great evidences that you've surrendered to Jesus. Joyful, joy to the world, joy to the world. hard to believe that in the midst of all the chaos that we can identify, and in some ways the easier question this morning that I could have asked you is, give examples of all the lack of joy in the world. All right? I mean, dude, I mean, we, we so easily gravitate toward the negative, you know? We bitch and moan and cry and complain and criticize and all that. It's just like... Dude, this is a great day. This is a great time. Joy, joy unspeakable, joy unimaginable. And oftentimes it takes a little child, our own children, a grandchild, uh, to help us understand, man, life is precious. And this is so cool. Jesus' presence brings joy. Jesus' presence brings joy. And I would, I would just suggest to you, first of all, that we live by the promises of God. And one of the benefits of Jesus' coming is the promise of joy. The incarnation is the greatest joy story. Not Toy Story, story, Toy Story, uh, Joy Story, easy for you to say. Um, and in the presence of Jesus is intended to be great joy. I, I love uh, Psalm 1611. You need to write that out in your journal. And the paraphrase of that is, you know, since you got me um, on the right path, God, since you came into my heart, I'm on the right path. Um, ever since you took my hand, I'm on the right way. You know, and as Andy Stanley wrote in his uh, book on the road, 200, 250 pages, he basically teases out the idea that if you're on the right road, it doesn't matter how fast you're going, just keep walking, you'll get to where you want to go. But if you're on the um, wrong road, you can be a NASCAR driver and you never get there. Go as fast as you fast can go, but you won't get there. I'm on the right road. And Jesus uh, promised me joy. Now, look at John chapter 15. John chapter 15, again, uh, is one of the great chapters in all of Scripture. If I was on a, uh, if I was on a, a desert island or an a, 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 a island in the Pacific with Wilson, uh, the volleyball, and I could only have five chapters uh, of scripture, uh, John 15 would be one of those five. 
You can ask me later what the other four are. Verse 11, I've told you these things for a purpose that my joy might be your joy. <clears throat> Guys, once again, as I've tried to say to you through the years, Jesus did not come to teach us to live morally. Jesus was far more concerned about reality than morality. He's the real deal. He wanted to teach us how to live real lives, broken, honest, naked, and unashamed, vulnerable and open with one another. Um, and again, I'm not saying go to Walmart and get on the uh, intercom. Nobody wants to hear your broken story at Walmart on the intercom. But to share openly and honestly with people that you love, that is the beauty of joy. I mean, I, you know, when I think of my jo most joyful moments in any year, and especially this year, it's sitting in that circle at Ebenezer Place. And the joy that is experienced by watching broken men be healed and get honest with one another. So cool, David. So cool. That my joy might be your joy and your joy wholly mature. This is my command. Love one another for the way I loved you. This is the very best way to love. Put your life on the line for your friends. You know why you suck at joy? Because you're so narcissistic and isolated and so self-absorbed. Get out there and help somebody. Call some, well, I don't, I'm, I'm struggling myself. Well, that's the reason that you get out there. Because I guarantee your struggling story could be the very way that the other guy that needs to sit uh, with you could be helped. It's not like, you know, perfect people help imperfect people. No. Broken people help broken people. Put your life on the line for your friends. You're my friends when you do the things I command you. I'm no longer calling you servants because servants don't understand what their master is thinking and planning. No, I've named you friends because I've let you in on everything I've heard from the Father. What's the opposite of friends? Strangers. And God, uh, Jesus, when he came to earth, he hung out with the bad guys so much that the religious guys called Jesus a heretic. He hung out with the prostitutes and the tax collectors and, you know, bad people. Those are the guys that we love at Deer Camp. Now, not everybody that comes to Deer Camp is in that category. But we've, but we've seen a lot of them. A lot of them. Look at John chapter 16, verse 19. Jesus knew they were dying to ask him what he meant. So he said, are you trying to figure out among yourselves what I meant when I said, in a day or so, you're not going to see me, but then in another day or so, you will see me. Then fix this firmly in your minds. You're going to be in deep mourning while the godless world throws a party. You'll be sad, very sad, but your sadness will develop into gladness and joy. You know, one of the things about church history that's interesting is that after about 120 years um, from Jesus's uh, ascension, uh, the church, the Christians lost track of the actual location of the tomb. Now, um, you know, there's targeted 
places, and they think we, we think this is the tomb that Jesus uh, was buried in. But after about 120 years, they weren't sure. Now, why would that be? How do you lose Jesus' tomb? You know why you lo they lost Jesus' tomb? Because they had the real deal, and they didn't need to go back to the tomb. You know, it's kind of like when your son or daughter goes to college, you know, up until then, you're just bitching at them because they're not keeping the room clean. And then they go to college, and it's like, I don't have them anymore. And so I just walk in their room, and uh, mama kind of does that, you know. Daddy, daddy won't do that unless it's like 2 a.m. in the morning so, so he doesn't get caught with a tear in his eye. But you walk into the room and says, oh, I'm, I miss Johnny. That's what mama says. And daddy says, boy, I'm sure glad Johnny's not around. You know? But it's like you don't go to the room when you got the real deal. In the first church, they had the real deal. They had the joy of Jesus in their heart. And so it wasn't that big a deal, the tomb, until the tourist industry came along and then we had to sell tickets to go to the tomb, you know? When you got the real deal and there's joy in your heart, you don't need to go to the tomb. I can hear his voice in my heart. John chapter 17. Jesus says this as he prays. Verse 13, now I'm returning to you. I'm saying these things in the world's hearing so my people can experience my joy completed in them. Experience my joy. Dear Jesus, thank you for the joy you've given me. And Jesus prays, Father, may my joy fill the hearts of those that you've given to me. Those sheep, those Men and women, you've given to me. May their joy be expansive in their heart today. And that is the prayer that Jesus prays every day for us. The promise of joy. It moves us in even times of difficulty from self-pity in comparison. We all go through hard times. All go through hard times. And even this Christmas may be a hard time. You may have lost a family member a pet pets are real i know may have gone through a divorce plenty of guys in this room sadly enough have gone through a divorce divorce is not the unpardonable sin but it feels like the end of your life when that happens it's death but because of jesus you know we can meet those times with empathy and compassion and the way that we uh, internalize empathy and compassion is that we sit with somebody else and they look at us and they just simply say, me too, me too. You cannot dredge up empathy and compassion. Somebody that is not raised relationally and not taught to feel empathy, they will just naturally gravitate toward narcissism and self-absorption. Ever been with somebody that just doesn't seem to care about anybody but themselves? Man, it's hard. And when you're married to that person or they're married to you as that person, that's hard. But it's like joy comes from being a friend and having friends. As I said earlier, 
you can't, the research shows you cannot experience joy in isolation. There is no hermit on the mountain in a little cabin that is joyful. So the awareness of joy, <clears throat> the promise of joy, <clears throat> so cool. And then it's the awareness of joy. Am I aware of the joy in my heart? Um, Hebrews chapter 2, uh, chapter 12, verse 2 says that it was the joy set before Jesus that allowed him to go through what he did. I have two daughters. Carla gave birth to Audrey and Abigail. Um, because of the joy set before her, she endured childbirth. Now, as often been said, if God had made it to where men bore children, we would, we would be extinct. Because that hurts. You know, I'll kill something, drag it home and eat it. But I'm not passing a basketball through my legs. That ain't happening. You know, and it's like Jesus says and uses that analogy of uh, like childbirth. After When the child is born, the mother is in a pure joy. That the suffering is minimal compared to the joy that is experienced. Philippians chapter one, I don't have time to read that, but such a, you know, the whole book is a book of joy. Uh, and Philippians chapter one just sim simply says, Paul says, you know, I'd just soon be dead because to be dead is to be with Jesus. But I'm gonna continue to be with you so that your growth and your joy would be full. Guys, I believe that God keeps us around. He's kept me around. He's kept you around to bring joy to my life and me to yours as we work together as friends and live in community. So the experience of joy, the experience of joy is knowing that God's always with us and that he loves us. That he's always with us and that he loves us. So I want to show you an illustration of this in one of my favorite Christmas movies, A Christmas Carol. And, um, you know, I, uh, some of you have criticized me for showing these black and white film movies. Well, just get over it. But, you know, I found the old black and white uh, clip that I love colorized. So I'm going to show you what pure joy looks like. Um, Charles Dickens wrote A Christmas Carol uh, in the 1840s. It was like a Steven Spielberg movie uh, at that time. It was a big deal. And he, much like Victor Hugo uh, in uh, Les Miserables, wrote the gospel. The Christmas Carol is the story of the gospel and how Ebenezer Scrooge, that we all remember him for just his nastiness, his depravity, his greediness, is visited by three angels. And when he realizes through the message of the angels that he is not nearly as in charge and in control of his life as he thinks he is, something happens. Now I want you to watch this clip like you've never watched it before. It's a little bit hard to hear uh, because of the oldness of the uh, video, 
But what he says is very significant. It's like scripture. Watch this. <coughs> draw nearer to that stone, answer me one question. Are these the shadows of things that must be? Or are the only shadows of things that might be? I know that men's deeds foreshadow certain ends, but if the deeds be departed from, surely the ends will change. Tell me to sow with what you show me now. Show me all this land beyond all hope. Oh, pity me, spirit, pity me, and help me. Help me to sponge away the writing on the stone if I repent. And I do repent, I do repent. I'll make good wrongs I've done my fellow men. And I'll change. I'm not the man I was. I'm not the man I was. Believe me, believe me, I'm not the man I was. Day, is it? What day? What's Christmas Day, Christmas, Christmas Day? Christmas Day. Then I haven't missed it. <laughs> the spirits must have done everything in one night. But of course, they can do anything, can't they? Of course they can. <laughs> Are you quiet yourself, sir? Well, I don't know. No, I, I don't think so. I hope not. What? <laughs> the curtains are still here. They're still here. You didn't, you didn't tear them down and sell them. Hmm? They're, they're here now. Everything's here. I'm here. <laughs> and the shadows of things that would be can still be dispelled. And they will be. I know they will be. I know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I'm as light as a feather. <laughs> I'm as 
happy as a, I'm as happy as an angel. I'm as merry as a schoolboy. <laughs> I'm as giddy. I'm as giddy as a drunken man. I, I've never... <laughs> a Merry Christmas, Ebenezer. <laughs> you old humbug. <laughs> and a Happy New Year. As if you deserved it. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Mrs. Dilber. Thank you, sir. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And many, many of them... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Look, Mrs. Dilber, there's the corner where the spirit of Christmas presents sat. And there's the door where Jacob Marley's ghost came through. And there's the window where I saw the wandering spirit. It's right, it's true, it all happened, do I? I don't know what day of the month it is. I, I don't know how long I've been amongst the spirits. I, I don't know anything. I never did know anything. <laughs> but now I know that I don't know anything. <laughs> I don't know anything. I never did know anything. But now I know that I don't know. All on the Christmas morning. And I must stand on my head. I must stand on my head. <laughs> please, please, Mr. Dilber. I am not mad. <laughs> Even Don't be violent, Mr. Scrooge, so you forced me to scream for the beetle. The beetle, madam. <laughs> A thing for the beetle. A guinea? Here, what for? I'll give you one guess. To keep me mouth shut. Hmm? <laughs> to keep me mouth shut. No, 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 Miss Dilber. It's for a Christmas present. Christmas present? For me? Of course, for you. <laughs> A merry, merry Christmas. Dear Mrs. Dilber, <laughs> oh, how much do I pay you? Two shillings a week. What? Two shillings? It's forthwith raised to ten. Ten shillings a week here. You sure you don't want to see a doctor? A doctor? Certainly not. Nor the undertaker. <laughs> now off you go and enjoy yourself. Like a good girl. Bullshit, your uncle! <laughs> Merry Christmas, Mr. Scrooge! In keeping with the situation! <laughs> Gentlemen, that is the picture of joy. Just like we saw joy on the faces of the children in singing, we see that in Ebenezer Scrooge. Isn't it interesting that Charles Dickens named him Ebenezer? I mean, you know what Ebenezer means? God helps us. God helps us. Ebenezer. I mean, Charles Dickens all along intended the great story of a Christmas carol to be the gospel, I believe. And what we see in Ebenezer Scrooge is a transformation of a depraved, sick, self-absorbed man who becomes generous and joyful, so much so that the poor little maid thought he was drunk, or more so crazy than drunk, right? Guys, I want to suggest to you, just in closing, that the world needs the joy of Jesus. The world's watching. May we have such joy in our walk with Jesus that the world asks us, 
Why are you so joyful? Are you drunk? No. I quit, I quit even taking my medication. I'm not even on medication anymore. I love Jesus. And they smell it. May we have the joy of Jesus in such a way that we are friends and we encourage one another. We're not isolated. You know, go help somebody. Be generous. Joy to the world. And finally, the hope of Jesus is that when he left, that our joy would be full and that we would experience joy even in his absence as the Holy Spirit comes. Let me just close by reading the words of John from 1 John. From the very first day we were there, taking it all in, we heard it with our own ears, saw it with our own eyes, verified it with our own hands. The word of life appeared right before our eyes and we saw it happen. And now we're telling you in most sober prose that what we witnessed was incredibly this. The infinite life of God himself took shape before us. We saw it, we heard it, and now we're telling you so you can experience it along with us, this experience of communion with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. Our motive for writing is simply this, we want you to enjoy this too. Your joy will double our joy. Joy to the world. Let's close in prayer. Father, uh, we are grateful, 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 grateful that you have given us the privilege um, of being in this room this morning, that we understand just enough of your gospel uh, to be life-changing, that you have filled our hearts with joy. And Father, I pray that we would walk with joy even in the midst of challenges and difficulty and sadness and depression and darkness and loss of loved ones and people, but even in that midst, because we know how the final chapter gets written, you win, we win. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, and remember, next week is guest day. Bring your guests of any size, shape, or order, uh, or gender. Gals are welcome. See you next week, and wear your ugly sweater. <laughs>